0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Kielder Observatory podcast. I'm Ian Brannan. Alongside me once again is Director of Astronomy Dan Pye. And in this episode, which we're recording right slap bang in the middle of summer, at the end of July, heading into August 2023, we're marking the return of astronomical darkness. Because in the northeast, we have some fairly light nights actually, and now we're starting to get that darkness back, and we're heading into a section of the year, one of the most exciting parts of the year, for astronomy but also we want to shine a light on some of the other places that you can go to do some stargazing and so in this episode actually we've headed out of the studio and we're doing a bit of stargazing in the podcast but also talking about plenty of other stuff that's coming up and things that you can see in the night sky even without a telescope just by looking up in this fantastic part of the year for astronomy so without further ado we'll head out to our location Somewhere in the north. We're on top of a hillside. We can see for miles around, it's uh, just starting to get dark. We can see the moon uh, and it actually looks like we are on the moon uh, where we've (laughs) parked because it's a barren wasteland. Where have you brought us to? Um, It's a place nestled between uh,
1: Waskely Station um, and Edmunds Byers, bi- Edmunds Byers. It's Edmunds Byers, actually. I find that a really hard word to say, Edmunds Byers. Un-
0: until Edmund's today, I'd never actually heard of it. So I, I'm not familiar with the pronunciation. It's over it's, there. It's that place uh, over yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> it's very nice. Is that the one that's got a little bit of... This? Yeah, it's, it's, it looks like it's got some beautiful buildings. It looks nice and remote. It's but, very
1: nice. Uh, yeah. yeah, and then over there, you've got Concert. Yeah. Um And then over there... Uh, Sunderland, I think, is, is probably that, that place that you can see in the distance over there.
0: Yeah, I would say that probably is it, yeah. the the Maybe Durham, that mm-hmm. direction, Sunderland beyond. And uh, we can also see the red lights twinkling in the distance, and that would be of, uh, I reckon that's going to be sort of Hartlepool area. That would be the wind farm, wouldn't it? I'm not sure actually. I, I I was
1: looking at those lights just before there because I was trying to work out what they were. Because of course these ones over here are Pontop Pike and and uh, Burnmoor. Mm. Uh, no, what do they call that one? Burn Hope. Yeah. But that one over there, I don't know. Yeah, that could be the.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's the wind farm at T side. way away. Yeah, something that's thirty forty miles or so at least as the crow flies so um one of the points of of this podcast is to well really first of all talk about the fact that we're leaving the midpoint of summer behind us now and um for an astronomer of course the summer presents obvious hazards in that um clearly you can see less we are right next to a road by the way so you will hear the odd car come by Ah, uh, there he goes. Um, do a
1: competition, guess the car. Well, I, I didn't
0: see it. I didn't see what was it? Well, <laughs> was I, don't, I can play. Was it a mini? I didn't see it. <laughs> I averted my eyes. Um, so we're moving away from the mid part of summer, of course, here in the northeast, and for for many people across um, the whole of the UK, but particularly in the northeast, it doesn't really uh gets uh, dark um fully at night and so now we are starting to head back in august to the point where we do get a little bit of of proper night
1: yeah and that comes back for us in the northeast from the fifth of august um it's already there for the for the southern parts of the of the u k um cornwall have had it since mid july um uh, so I guess the car uh looked like a yeah, it was. It looks. It,
0: it looked. Uh, it looked like it was Korean or something like that. But uh, yeah,
1: yeah. So that 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 came back for Cornwall uh, mid July, and then it gradually creeps up the country as we start to go around the sun, and uh, and and we'll get. Darker skies returning from the fifth of August here in in the northeast. And then a little bit later for Scotland. Scotland were heading into mid August for when their dark skies come back. Certainly the tips of. Um, but that means that with the dark skies returns, when the moon's not out, then this time of year is when the Milky Way is perfectly orientated almost right above our heads. Um at about, well, just after midnight. So it's a great time to to get out and get looking for the Milky Way as the mid to the back end of August
0: yeah and, and that is um, one of the real highlights for certainly for astrophotographers mm. but also astronomers in general because um, it's not every every part of the year where we get to see the the Milky Way uh, it is an amazing photograph we don't get the full effect here in, in, certainly in the northeast, do we? I think you've got to go a bit further south, maybe even down to Europe, and uh, you know, Spain or France or somewhere like that, where you get the full uh, view. But we we get a we get a little glimpse of it.
1: Yeah, we do, and we, we can't see right down into the core of the Milky Way, but we can kind of see right on the tip of the core, if you like, just as we start to get into that really bright section. But yeah, if you're if you're going on holiday to places like Spain or or Tenerife in particular, then this time of year when the when the moon's not out, so when we start to get into mid August, um, that's going to be a really good time of year to to go up places like Mount Teide and have a look at. The Milky Way from there, and it, actually, I remember um, when we went there in 2019. Even when the sky was blue like it is right now, there's still quite a lot of blue in the sky. You could see the Milky Way coming out um, at this time, and it's because the the atmosphere is just so dry, so still. Um, you're quite high up as well, um, and it's incredibly free from light pollution. So it's a great place to go see it.
0: Here, of course, there is a little bit of light around. It's not totally uh, in the darkness like you'd get. Um, at Kielder. But a- another thing to talk about is how really you can sample um, the, the night sky and, and get a great view of things like the Milky Way from so many different places, particularly around the northeast. You know, you don't have to go to Kielder Observatory itself to, to get that view. You don't have to go to Northumberland. You don't have to go to Kielder. We're proving that right now because we're on the outskirts of County Durham. Well, in the middle of County Durham um, and um, not out of totally out of sight of light but here is a place where you can see the aurora you can see the milky way and and all of these things and it's you know not too far away not too remote for a lot of people
1: yeah absolutely and the funny thing is when i go to different places across the northeast people say to me all the time oh dan it's a it's on my bucket list to go and see the milky way and i think really you, you literally have free access to this when the moon's not out. If it's a clear night, you can just whiz out into places like here, uh, less than an hour's drive away in most of the northeast, and you can go and see the Milky Way. I think it's amazing that people have that on their bucket list and have free access to it, and they're not using it.
0: <laughs> so, and it's totally free. We, you know, yeah. you, you you just well, you just need to get your car up here or yeah. get a lift up here or whatever yeah. hopefully you can get somebody you bring you back if that is the <laughs> case it's pretty remote yeah. there's no buses yeah. um but yeah there's no entry to it the, you know the, there's no entry fee y- we are just on top of a hill yeah. and of course the sky is there <clears throat> clearly you need a, a clear night um which we don't fully have at this moment in time i've got to be honest but um you know, it's all there to look at. You, you yeah. don't need to uh, t- to go on a on a on a, on a sort of a, an organised trip to be able to do this. What is it? It was a. It was a golf. It was a golf. It was a golf. An old, an older one. I'm going to say I was confused by the shape. Yeah, um, yeah, you're right. We don't we don't
1: have to go to. Um, these places far away to enjoy the night sky we do have we're very fortunate in the uk actually there's a lot of places that you can go to to escape light pollution even across the rest of the uk and uh, a great place to find out about your local place to go to is is of course the international dark sky associations website i think it's darkskies.org, and it's a great place to go and find out about your local dark sky accredited place but you can also if you google uh, light pollution uh, uk or light pollution map uk That'll show you where is dark around you as well. And just escaping the mass areas of incredible light pollution and surrounding yourself sometimes with a horizon as well. So if you find a place which is dark near you, uh, just try and gather yourself in amongst some trees that you can see almost vertically above your head out of. And and that really helps uh, stargazing straight up. Uh, above your head and if you just lie down on the floor and you'll have an amazing view of the sky above you I would imagine in places like that Um, and of course try and avoid the moon
0: Uh, Yes. yeah so we do have tonight. half a moon yeah. uh, <laughs> this uh, <laughs> this uh, moment of recording this tonight, which is getting increasingly brighter as uh, as uh, the the skies get darker. Um, we mentioned about the aurora; it is something, as you say, many people have on their bucket list. Um, we're entering aurora season yeah. again as we get through August into September, particularly. Um, tell us about um, tell us about how you're best uh, looking at that, and we've covered it many many times, but um, explain where we're at in the aurora cycle first and, and why this year might be better than last year for it.
1: So we're starting to come up to the uh, the peak of the solar cycle. So this means this is where the, um, where the sun is at its most active. So it's producing lots and lots of sunspots. Um, that's to do with the internal, um, mag- well, the magnetic field that surrounds our sun, which punches holes in the sun, creates these big flux loops that snap and release material towards Earth, and that's what stimulates the aurora. That's the aurora in three sentences, I think. Probably could have said it better than that, but that's all right. (laughs) That says it. Um, So then when when we get um, uh, an indication that aurora's going to come, what we want to try and do is find a place which has a really good northern horizon, like here. Uh, We've got an amazing northern horizon. We're really high up, and actually I just checked um, on the... uh, on my phone there just to see how high we actually were and I, I wasn't sure if this was higher than the observatory but it is it's an extra 100 metres higher than that's, what we are at the observatory <laughs> we're nearly at 500 metres here right. um, so a uh, great place to get a really good uh, northern view and uh, there's l- little light pollution over there as well you want to try and get places where there is l- little light pollution towards the north otherwise you're going to get fake aurora which is going to be a city mm. um and then uh yeah when you when you get the notifications either on your phone or somebody's uh, screaming about it on facebook go to uh your favorite website or or a really great uh, website to use is the um uh, glendale skies aurora website although it gets bogged down sometimes because it's getting quite popular now and it <laughs> tends to break um, or he stops access to it but uh, that's a great place to go and figure out whether or not it's worth getting out to go and see aurora because uh, it'll show you who near you has seen aurora out you go find yourself a hill with no light pollution towards the north and hopefully you'll you'll get to see some 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 uh, some aurora activity it is quite faint though so when you see it for the first time, it's not um, always immediately obvious. And sometimes it's better to use your phone now, actually, which is a really good way of, of figuring out if you're looking at Aurora. I noticed this um, with my phone earlier on in the year when I just had it on um, when, when I had it on camera mode, just, I could see the Aurora just on the screen live um, and then I could take photographs or I actually took a, a quick video as well, just because your phones are, the phones are getting so good now at capturing low light uh, mm-hmm. images. So uh, that's a good way of verifying it. you're looking for the lovely um, straight pillars rising from the horizon and then the, the greens and reds and purple, uh, sorry, pinks and... And stuff that's associated with Aurora.
0: And so people should be aware that maybe it might not be quite the mind blowing experience that you imagine when you first see the Aurora. <laughs> yeah, it looks yeah. better on your camera than it might yeah. do to your naked eye. And you might you might not really feel that you you know, that people imagine what it's gonna be like and they're gonna get all these colours dancing over their heads, but it might not necessarily be quite like that to your naked eye.
1: Yeah, definitely in the UK as well, I think that's the case because if you go to places like um, Sweden, Norway, Finland, Iceland. It's going to be uh, a lot more... So it's going to be higher above your head, so you're going to have it right above you. It's going to be very intense compared to what it is in the UK, and um, you might get some some colour stimulant out of that. It might be greens that you see. But, um, yeah, in the UK, it's it's not going to look as the photographs portray it. It <laughs> may look black and white. Uh, well, uh, a kind of ghostly... Uh, thing on the horizon
0: because we're looking at it from still a distance off rather than it being directly over us so it's yeah
1: that's it although saying that uh, earlier on in the year when it was uh when it was really kicking off that last that last really good show that we had before the the darkness left um that um that was pretty high up it was almost above us that so that was a really strong display so we can get uh occurrences where it does come right down the country um it's just that they're 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 less common, but as we start to get into solar maximum, we might see some more really strong activity like that. Fingers crossed it's clear, though.
0: Okay, so worth just popping your phone camera open and, and seeing what it looks like on your phone screen. Not something you would previously have advised, I think, a few years ago because um, I was always like DLS, DSLR cameras and yes. raw mode and all that, whereas now iPhones, for example, the new ones, the, the cameras on there can can detect it. Um, they, I think mean, iPhone cameras do have a raw mode now, I think, don't they as so.
1: Yeah, they do, and it's funny because <laughs> I bought a new camera and I bought a new lens and I'd spent all of this money and I thought, actually... Why, why have i spent all of this money because my camera on my iphone is the thing that i'm going to end up using the most here so i'm trying to force myself to use to use that camera now um, but i think it's interesting yeah because a few years ago i would have been like yeah i need a dslr to get the images that i want to get whereas now your iphone can do such a great job yeah oh.
0: two cars back to back uh, yeah they were. Uh, one for the thrill seekers
1: Racing. That was uh, two Fiestas. Though, I think. Yeah, that's <laughs>
0: the choice of the sports car driver. Um, yeah, so that's one to look out for. And, and the, the the Aurora is going to be um, well, this this sort of next burst of energy, I suppose, where we where we see it at this time of <coughs> year, coming up from when into August through September.
1: Mm, yeah, maybe so October. when we start to
0: get the darkness back. But yeah, when as soon as we get into the uh
1: the equinox around the equinox, so twenty third of September, when we get to the autumn autumnal equinox is when we're gonna start to maybe see some more activity of Aurora. Um in fact the Equinox is always the time that we get the, the biggest influx of material well the biggest influx of uh, activity and there's there's still a little bit of uncertainty around why that is but um, we do notice that we get more likelihood of aurora around the equinox for sure
0: and you don't necessarily also have to go to a to a big hill in the middle of the country. Coastal areas yep. are equally as good, aren't they? If you can get somewhere pretty dark, um, St Mary's Lighthouse, for example, yeah. uh, Whitley Bay being one. People have seen it as well. Um, I think it's uh, South Shields around there. Uh, further the up the coast, Suffolk, yeah, no, Suffolk. Uh, if you fancy, obviously, it's quicker <laughs> quicker to go to uh, to, to and places like that. You fancy, but um, anywhere yeah. sort of northeastern and uh, looking at your, where you get out in uh, away from the land i suppose where it juts out a bit
1: yeah yeah for sure if you get a north facing view uh, from the from the sea then yeah, yeah that's a good good place to go and see it but also through august um we have the perseids as well mm. uh, coming up which the perseids doesn't uh, have a moon this year
0: does it not? No. This is exciting news, then. It's now, the, gonna... the Perseids being meteor shower, if you're, if you're not uh, familiar with this, um, happens every year uh, around the same time, doesn't it? Um, obviously, but with no moon that's the uh, that's that's sort of the the magic you you're hoping for to see to see these shooting stars,
1: yeah, it is because that means you have an increased chance of being able to see the dimmer ones because these things are very small when we're talking about it, it's tiny little bits of material burning up in the atmosphere which are like less than a mili- m- maybe less than a millimeter in size up to a ball bearing in size, although they are quite small, of course when they're coming through the atmosphere they're moving very fast, very rapidly heating up the gases around them, and that's what makes them illuminate. Um, so we need no moon in the sky to see uh, a, a good amount of them, um, and uh, that is what we have this year, and dark skies will be back then as well, so fingers crossed, for the two-week, because there's a two-week period either side of the, uh, of the peak, so actually from the beginning of August up to the mid-August, the 18th and 19th, uh, and then two weeks the other side of that, that's when you start to get um, an increase in activity and then the activity starts to slope off again as we move through the cloud of debris mm. that gives us the, the display.
0: So in this Perseids meteor shower then, how many shooting stars might you be able to see? If you have a good night, it's all clear, you're sat there in your deck chair, the weather's perfect, maybe you've got a glass of something of your choice in hand. Um Crisps, even. I don't know. Might be other snacks. A glass of crisps. A glass of crisps. If you're really, well, you know, if you're really pushing the boat out and really, really going for it. A glass of crisps and uh, maybe a drink as well. Um, How many might you see in an hour?
1: A glass of crisps and a bag
0: of drink. (laughs) Well, that's how I do it in my house. I mean, other people's experiences may vary. Yeah. Um, So per hour, um, you'll get up to about 90.
1: Uh, per hour with this particular display that's with no moon in the sky and of course that's what we've got this year no moon hooray um so yeah up to about 90 but to see 90 per hour you're gonna have to have fish eyes um so a good view of the whole horizon perfect dark skies and stuff um which uh, which is quite challenging unless you're a fish in the middle of the ocean um so yeah i think it's Uh, a a great one to get out and and away from light pollution to to get to see because sometimes they can be quite bright during this shower as well. And of course, this time of year is not too chilly, which is good because the the other really good uh, meteor shower of the year is in December. Mm. Um, So that's when when it's really cold usually. Um, So not a good time to go out and, and look at space and stuff. Um, but yeah, that's that's coming up soon. And when you when you're out uh, looking for these shooting stars, you want to be looking away from the constellation of Perseus. So Perseus is uh, next to um, the constellation of Cassiopeia, which is the big W shape in the sky, um, which. Behind that cloud over there, <laughs> um, and, uh, as per. <laughs> and um, and when you see that, uh, you want to be looking away from that. Oh, I can see. I saw some lights over there, which look alien. Look, can you see them? I know.
0: It looks like um, it looks like they're coming, doesn't it? <laughs> it's like it's like there's there's the cloud in front of us, and there's a line of white light. So this is Kinran uh, near Bishop
1: Auckland. Is that where yeah, it is? yeah. So this is uh, this, that's right. That is over there, but it looks
0: creepy as anything. That looks like, honestly, that looks like close (laughs) encounters is about to happen, that they're about to just come out of the sky, and a beam's going to come down, and that's going to be it.
1: (laughs) It's quite appropriate, really, isn't it? I think I'll take a picture of that. Um, But, but yeah, the... yeah so the the this uh what was i even saying yeah look don't look at the constellation of perseus look away from it look uh, because they're coming from that direction so they're going to be coming towards you and that's going to make the tails quite short mm. so you want to be looking away from them where they can skim through the atmosphere and more and, and produce a nice streak for you
0: okay and uh, i guess if you do um if you have got a a camera and you're into astrophotography you could leave the You'll leave the thing open for a bit and, and see what you catch, maybe.
1: Yeah, that's always a nice thing to do. Just do a nice time-lapse and and see what you capture. Uh, see if you can create a nice composite image of all of the shooting stars that you've caught that night. And we've got loads of nice examples. What you'll notice is that um, that all of the shooting stars that you capture will most probably be in the same direction. Uh, so if you look at something and you think actually that's moving in the opposite direction might not be a shooting star might be that it's a satellite and there's a big, Uh, confusion that people sometimes have particularly now with the amount of space stuff that we've got moving around us that people think they've got a shooting star and actually it's a satellite Um, (laughs) Ah, so there is a way of uh, distinguishing the two and there is a few techniques which we'll share with you uh, on our social media um, to distinguish between a shooting star and a satellite
0: Yes, yes, always one to look out for. Maybe even the space station as well. That uh, sometimes comes into view, yeah, isn't do, it? Yeah. Super
1: bright is the yeah. space station as well, yeah, for sure. Little satellite there, look, drifting away.
0: There he is, a little satellite there. Oh, we are starting to see the stars come out now, actually. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it, how when you stare up, it sort of takes your eyes a couple of minutes and then they start adjusting and the, the, the stars that more start and more popping start out. start
1: popping out, yeah.
0: Um, you start you notice one and then your
1: eyes jump to another one and then you jump to another one and you think oh actually there's loads <laughs> um but there is quite a few out there we can see um, part of the summer triangle right now so that's our Al- over there um that's the tip of the summer triangle in a in a constellation called aquila and then we've got um cygnus right above our head I'm here i starting to so see so loads of them we've got cygnus right above us here where the where the satellites just drifting through so cygnus the swan and this is actually where the milky way is right now so the milky way will be coming from the north over here right above our heads and then going straight down towards that horizon right over there so um so it is practically almost above us is is the milky way right now um, running through that little constellation there and you can actually let's see if we can see yep we can see the whole summer triangle there so we've got that star there This is Vega, Mm -hmm. literally smack bang above our heads. And then Deneb across to the left, which forms the tail of Cygnus the Swan. And then back down to Altair. uh, Altair, sorry. And that's the triangle, which signifies summer
0: is here. We're definitely in summer. Well, at least the stars say it is. Yeah, for sure. The weather might not match. (laughs) The big puddles that have gone all around us. But uh, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. And what bit of the, when we say the the Milky Way is over the top of our heads, we see this you know big dramatic picture and so on um where where we're not looking at the actual center we can't see that what bit of the milky way are we seeing there so we're, we're seeing just from the center
1: so down at the south um that's just on the edge of the center of the milky way and then we're looking right around this arm outwards towards the the outside of the the milky way when we start to look towards the north so you're looking from the center all the way around to the at the orion arm um, and across out towards the outer edges of our galaxy, when we get to the north there, and you'll see it gets gradually dimmer as we move away from the centre.
0: Yeah, it's a fascinating, a fascinating thing to look out for, and people can see this um, above our heads now for through throughout August, or when when does yeah, it start to move?
1: August. So this is going to be, um, yeah. So this is going to be moving uh, towards the central part of the sky at midnight. Um, probably just as we start to get into August. And then as we start to tail out of the back end of August at about midnight, the Milky Way is then going to be starting to move into the later parts of the night. Um, so at the, at the moment, uh, yeah, the Milky Way is going to be earlier and then it's going to be drifting away uh, towards the latter part of the night as we came, come out of the back end of August into September. But that's, To be honest, I think that's probably my favourite time of year to see the Milky Way. Um, and it's certainly a popular time for the observatory, and I think it's because the whole team kind of go, oh, the Milky Way at the back end of August and into September is amazing, and then everybody books events. for them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, that that and yeah, the aurora, of course, as yeah. well, as being part of that uh, also. And and uh, again, similar sort of thing, I imagine that the the pictures are obviously more dramatic than with the naked eye. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure they are, but I think the Milky Way is one of those things where it is immediately obvious that you're looking at it when you see it in a good sky. So if we were in Kielder and the Milky Way was out, there was no moon out, I'm pretty confident that I would be able to stick somebody outside and go find the Milky Way and they'd go, oh, there's a band of light going through the sky there that looks like a cloud, um, even though it was a perfectly clear night. That's, that's the Milky Way, yeah. So um it is a, a a slightly easier thing to spot and certainly a more common thing um to spot as well than than the Aurora is. And um to be honest, is it more beautiful? I don't know, it depends what you what you well, it depends what you're into. <laughs> <laughs> depends on what floats your boat. Is it that you want to think about the size of the cosmic structure that we're inside of and what it is that you're physically looking at, the mass of 300 billion suns in our galaxy, or is it that you want to uh, look at some uh, gas being stimulated in our atmosphere by stuff that's come from our local sun, which kind of feels less... Uh, Uh, Lesser impactful when you wrap it up that way, actually. 300 billion
0: (laughs) suns is certainly more dramatic.
1: Yeah. For sure, so and it's a beautiful thing to look at. And I think when when you see it from different parts of the world as well, um, you get to see uh, the different uh, the different shapes, the anatomy of our of our Milky Way. Certainly, if you went to the southern hemisphere, you would see um, a, a definite anatomy to our Milky Way. You'd be able to see its central section and the way that it gets dimmer as you move away from that central section, and you see the gas. Uh, sorry, the big clouds of dust dust lanes through our our Milky Way galaxy as well which we, you will be able to see um here in the uk down towards the south you'll see that there's parts of it which appear darker than others and these are just big piles of dust which are inside our galaxy and without that dust of course um things wouldn't have formed in the way that they did and we wouldn't be a flat uh spirally kind of galaxy either we when you have lesser dust in a galaxy it ends up being just a big ball of stars so um so it's good that we have that dust and actually some of the cultures in the southern hemisphere they don't um they don't look at the constellations in the way that we do so they don't look at the individual points of light like trying to trace images from little dots on the sky instead they're looking at these clouds of darkness which run through the milky way galaxy and that's their constellations in particular the uh, the incan culture who were looking at um the milky way that was their their belief was that you would move through these dark patches onto the next plane of existence mm. and so they have creatures in the in the dust clouds like llamas and actually the llamas quite graphic cuz it's having a baby um, mm. and there's a shepherd <laughs> and there's some other stuff as well so
0: it's clearing up quite nicely now isn't it here is where it. we are it's uh, we're starting to see the the sky develop a little bit
1: there's Cassiopeia look there it is
0: you do? Yeah. I mean, obviously, you're you're, you're uh, doing this every night. You know exactly where the stuff is night to night. But uh, there it is.
1: I actually forget sometimes as well. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. You just say that's what it is just, and just go with it <laughs> yeah. out of confidence.
1: I kind of look for, for key markers <laughs> because I forget what's out at different times of year. And uh, sometimes um, when I'm not always at the observatory every night and, and, and it's clear every night, I kind of lose track. So um, I just I look for different markers. So I know that. Um, those constellations are there I know what I'm going to be able to find over there and I know what I'm going to be able to find over in that section over there as well I mean there's only 88 constellations not a massive amount of constellations to learn Um, but it does take a little bit of time to recognize them because they're bigger on the sky sometimes than what you envisage when you see it in a book Um, I remember that when I first started working at the observatory and I'd been able to um, spot constellations on the sky in a light polluted area, and then I went to a non-light polluted area, and I was lost. I, did, I didn't know it. I had so many stars, I was like overwhelmed by the amount of stars trying to find um, different constellations. But yeah, it's just a, a repetition process if you repeat it. There's another another little satellite there. Look. Oh,
0: I see that one. Yeah, drifting through. You can through. see
1: quite a lot of stars inside of the Summer Triangle there as well now. Yeah. Um, and you can see the whole of uh, Cygnus. So, we've got this lovely um, crucifix like shape where, the, where the, this satellite is drifting through. Yeah, this um, is right
0: over our heads, right by the up. way, straight up.
1: Um, and, uh, and that, of course, is the, the, the long neck of the swan up to that star there, it's called yeah. Albirio. And this people used to think this was a binary system because it's two stars actually when you look at it through a telescope. Oh, um, okay. But it is uh, not a binary system. So a binary system means two stars going around each other. This one is actually um, just two stars in a very close proximity to each other from our perspective. But there's about eighty light years in between the two, and they are two different colours as well as a yellowy one and a blue one. Um, and that makes but they're
0: eighty point. light years apart, even though they look next to each other.
1: Yeah, they look wow. next to each other, but yeah, eighty light years apart.
0: Eighty light years. Yeah, that's, that's
1: quite a distance, really, isn't it? That's,
0: uh... Well, that's what, further than our entire solar system by a long way. Way bigger than that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, our, our nearest That's start. like calling, uh, that's like saying what, you know, Neptune is way closer than those two are together, but yet they look side by side in the sky.
1: Yeah, so they're, um, yeah, so I mean, our nearest star to us uh, is four and a half light years away. Right. So, that's... <laughs> so it's, if you got 80 light years away from our sun, actually, you probably wouldn't be able to see it if you were on a planet around another star. Um, yeah. That's how distant that is away from each other.
0: But they must be massive stars. Yeah, they're... Absolutely, you know, compared to, by that token.
1: They're probably big and bright, yeah. Certainly the big blue ones probably probably very bright and, and
0: uh compared to the sun i mean yeah yeah for
1: sure it's, it's going to be huge i'm not sure how big they actually are i think we probably we do have probably a, a steer on an approximate size or mass of these objects but um yeah so the, those are those are quite far away from each other that and quite far away from us as well We're about a couple of hundred light years away from from us um those stars um, and then deneb at the back here is a lovely big bright star as well um, Vega's a oh, lovely big bright star.
0: I think I just saw, saw a little shooting star. A yeah, little
1: shooting star. Yeah. And then Altair's a lovely big bright star. Um, let me just quickly check something.
0: There was definitely a little flash of light there across. I find the whole, um, you know, tr- light travelling thing fascinating. That You know, we're looking at stars there that are 200 light years away. And that, mm. you know, that light's been travelling since you know the 1800s and it's just got to us America now. It was a thing maybe. <laughs> exactly. It's it's older than America yeah. and it, and it's you know that that little speck of light has traveled from then and, and and it's only just reached our eye now.
1: What I like to think about with that as well and and people often say this to us at the observatory we'll get it on feedback and it's one of my most vexing pieces of feedback that comes through not that I want to turn this into a feedback rant. <laughs> but, but, one, but here it comes. Here it comes. Uh, but one of the things that really uh, frustrates me with feedback is when we get the feedback which says it would have been nice to see this stuff on a screen uh, when it's a clear night and we're showing people stuff through a telescope. And I get what you. I get what people mean. I. I, I think what they want to see is the drama in these things rather than looking at it with the naked eye. Um, or the ease of seeing it on a screen. But the thing is, you can do that on YouTube at home. Um, If you come to an observatory, what we're going to do is we're going to put your eye up to an eyepiece. And the reason why we do that isn't just because we can, it's because that is a human connection with the universe. When you're looking at light from these objects that are above our head... Although they look like these little tiny dots of light, that light is still physical and it's still a thing which is travelling through space, these little photons of light which are produced by those stars, inside those stars, due to the nuclear fusion that's happening Mm. inside them. So that, that nuclear fusion's producing that light that's been ejected from the star. That light then travels through the universe and then you look at it and you capture that light with your eyeball and then you turn that into the electrical signal which which gives you your vision Um, so you're absorbing a piece of light which has actually travelled 200 light years or so in that case Um, with I see with um, Vega above us here this is 25 light years away Um, so Vega 25 light years away
0: yeah I was uh, I I weighed a bit less then (laughs) yeah
1: Actually, interestingly, 25, 25 years ago is when the film Contacts came out as well. Oh, of course, which, yes. Which was about Vega, um, so they're probably getting that film right they're now. They're just realising <laughs>
0: that, that, uh, that it's a great, uh, a great film, just um, released, having the premiere now.
1: Altair is 16, 16 to 20 light-years away from us, so it's a little bit closer. And Deneb, the, the other one that we saw that's now gone behind the cloud, although all three are, are very similar brightness, Deneb is 1,500 light-years away.
0: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean there's so much uh, so much uh, that has gone on in that time mm, a lot I mean yeah it is fascinating that and that's it is that, that personal experience and it's like you say you can show it on a screen but it's all about you putting your eye up to the to the eyepiece and and you are capturing that bit of light in yeah. your eye that's travelled for 1500 years yeah. through space uh, to your eye not to everyone else's eye on a TV screen so that's part of the point I guess
1: 100% and it's actually a dying art in astronomy as well because we want to take photos of everything mm. and we want to capture stuff and, and keep it and share it on social media get the likes whatever um, and in from a scientist from, from a scientific perspective in astronomy as well it's lesser to produce beautiful images it's more to collect data so actually sometimes you're not even seeing an image you're just getting some data uh, from whatever it is that you're looking at to plot a graph um
0: <laughs> two more ford fiestas
1: i think that was the fiestas that went Is that the same
0: ones yeah, yeah. they look like finished their race they're sort of uh <laughs> meandering back so um
1: so yeah so um So in astronomy, in in scientific astronomy, capturing data and not looking at images, none of these new techniques or new ways of us capturing the night sky are us looking through an eyepiece like we had done for hundreds of years, which opened up the discovery of all of these things that we've seen in the past. I mean, Patrick Moore used to be a great advocate for... Um, drawing what he saw through his telescope. And that was, of course, the art which people did for hundreds of years. Isaac Newton yeah. did it, um, uh, Galileo did it. Uh, all of those people, leading up to, uh, well, the mid 1800s, were sketching whatever it was that they were looking at through their oh, yeah. telescopes.
0: That was going to be my next question, really. You know, what did these. Um astronomers do back in the day before obviously they didn't have facebook to, to sort of to, to shout about it so that what i was going to say is that what they did just write write it down draw yeah. about it and um and, and share it that way absolutely write it down Paul. likes and shares have, have never changed though, have they <laughs> no they definitely haven't it's just the way that we've
1: shared it it's uh has <laughs> changed slightly but yeah they, they would sit and they would sketch and it's funny because um when, when we get people at the observatory who are looking through a telescope, they may do the quick, like, whoop, I'll just have a quick look, boop, and then you're like, oh, you're done already. <laughs> Whereas, like, um, people like Galileo would have spent the entire night dedicated to just looking at that one object. And it was that dedication which revealed um, more details about an object, in particular places like Jupiter. When he was observing Jupiter, he realised that over the course of the night, the dots around Jupiter were moving. And he thought, oh, what's going on here? These could be things going around Jupiter. Um, Could they be not too dissimilar to our moon going around us? And so all of these things uh, come from us uh, observing for a long period of time and trying to collect information from it and sketching it down, as they did in this case, Um, and then sharing that through journals. So publishing those journals, uh, sending them to the scientific community, um, and and that's how word spread back then, I guess.
0: There's uh, more uh, to see this this direction now, I guess towards what the is that the towards the west?
1: Yeah, towards the west. So we've got the plough there. Uh, we can see the handle ah, of the plough. Ah, the just classic here. plough. There um, he is. And we've got Arcturus over here, big red, big red star in the constellation of Bootes. Um, and uh, then upwards towards up here somewhere, we've got the North Star uh, up there. Where is it? It's behind that cloud, there. There it is. It's gone again. It was there, but it's gone. Um, so yeah, so that's that's going to be north, right there.
0: Right there we go. There
1: you go. We did some we did some navigation.
0: There you go. Some old school. Space. Get the old uh, sextant out and away we go. <laughs> um, and the 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 moon um, blocked out by the cloud at the moment as well, which helps.
1: Yeah, that does help. Um, It actually gives us a little bit of a better view of what we're seeing. I love this patch of sky over here. This is not a constellation, but it's one of my asterisms. And I call it my asterisms because I've never seen anybody else call it this before. But at this angle, um, if you look at um, where Arcturus is, the big bright one, there's a star right above it. And then there's a star to the right at about the two o'clock position and a star to the left at about Mm. a ten o'clock position.
0: It looks like a flux capacitor. It, it does. I was going to say a why, so, yeah. but uh, yeah.
1: So so I, I this is the flux capacitor asterism. <laughs> <laughs> so.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, it looks like you know if the, the cloud moves away, you'd get a get a good night tonight, definitely. But. Um, Still that little bit of cloud knocking around. Um, so other things then, anything else to, to watch out for through um, the course of August? Because this is going to be the uh, podcast for the, I guess, just leading into the start of August, and uh, people hear this. And uh, what what else should they be looking out for?
1: Well, I think the biggest things to, to, to look out for are going to be things like the Milky Way returning, dark skies returning, and um, and the Perseids meteor shower. And actually, I've just I've just spotted something just out uh, just where. Um, uh, um, this thing over here is, you know, I'm the, the astronomer, plow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the plow. <laughs> Cut. <laughs> um, so plow. When when you see the plow, the three the three stars in the handle of the plow, the second one in, it's actually it's two stars there. You see, this yeah. one quite faint. You can actually probably measure how good your sky is by seeing those two stars. So if okay. you see those two stars, you might think, "Oh yeah, I've got quite a good sky here. Actually, I can see two
0: stars." There. So the two middle stars in the handle. Yeah, yeah. yeah one
1: of them's quite dim. These are called uh, Mizar and Alcor, and actually one of them's a double star. It's quite cool through a telescope. Mm. Two stars orbiting around each other. Actually, I think it's four
0: stars orbiting around each other, but we can only see two. So. Okay. So that's one to look out for. If you've got a perfect view of the plough, though, you're in a you're in a good place. Yeah. As far as Gilder Observatory is concerned, you've got plenty of stuff coming up through the course of of this time of year, as you say, very busy time of year, school holidays are on, um, plenty of kids' events, and in our next episode, um, um, I'm I'm basically leaving my daughter in charge, she's she's six, nearly seven, very keen to point that out, she is, Um, and um, I'm going to bring her to the Rockets, one of the Rockets sessions, and... um, Well, I'm just going to leave her in charge and see what happens. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) Who knows?
1: (laughs) Everything. As long as we end up with uh, launching rockets at the end. In fact, actually, uh, was it last weekend or the weekend before? It was absolutely bucketing it down. But the dedication of the team during these events is just admirable. Liam and, and Guy... Uh, They were out there in the absolute teeming down rain, dedicated to launching rockets, and they did that. So whatever the weather, within reason, I would say, as a caveat, (laughs) we'll be out there (laughs) launching rockets (laughs) and and doing some other stuff as well. If we can see stuff through telescopes, then of course that's something that we'll do. We can see the sun. We've got sun sun specs for our uh, for our telescopes. Um, If that's out, if not, then we might be able to see some stars, some brighter objects, um, and uh, and certainly we'll do some other activities as well look at the rocks and things yeah
0: for sure well if if nothing else she'll be able to tell you all about henry the eighth which seems to be her thing at this moment in time thing yeah yeah so um we, you know can always fill the time with that (laughs) (laughs) nothing else oh there's Hercules. hang on stop press here's hercules
1: um can only see half of him but these two stars on the edge here these are two of hercules can just about make out the rest of him but uh, it's a bit dim, and, and you can, you might be able to see this curve of stars. There's a bright star just there, which is actually the left hand side of the flux capacitor. Mm. Um, so this is Corona Borealis, the northern crown. It's a curve of stars like this, looks like a crown.
0: There you go, Corona Borealis
1: i tell you who the best person is for these things. It is Monk. Um, When he was a kid, he digested a a book on stars and it just seems to have stuck. So you can ask him star names, he knows them, and you can ask him how far away they are, he knows how far away they are. (laughs) It's just got to commit to memory, but my memory is just too fluid for that. I keep replacing it with other uh, bits of information.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That come and go as required. The message from this podcast then is that well you don't have to go too far to find somewhere with dark skies um and you can usually do that for free you don't obviously we encourage you to come to keelder observatory as much as possible but that isn't always possible um and for those occasions then um get out there get looking up uh, find somewhere away from the light and you might not have to go very far uh, plenty of places around the northeast both on the coast uh, but also out where we are in the middle of nowhere which seemingly looks like on the moon um, but uh, just above uh, Durham
1: even though the sky is still blue over there um, where the sun set not too long ago you can still see quite a lot of stars I mean uh, that, that is quite a, a dim constellation that over there booties is quite a dim constellation but we can see um, all of booty's right there, even though there is a car behind us with its full beams on. <laughs> so there is some artificial light pollution around us as well. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's a great place to come. This actually, it's a great place for an observatory, but it's too windy.
0: <laughs> it is a bit breezy. I mean, we we're oh. stood uh, we stood behind Dan's car. To be honest, I've just looked at those headlights now, and I can't see anything. Um, but if I move over here, you'll hear how windy it is. <laughs> Take the wind filter off. (laughs) It's been like that the whole time. (laughs) rule number one of astronomy is wrap-up warm. Regardless of the time of year, it's always going to be pretty cold if you're going to somewhere fairly remote to look at the night skies. So take your big coat and uh, you should be good. And uh, we were up towards Waskelly there in County Durham, not far from Derwent Reservoir, but there's plenty of places that you can go and at this time of year it's just a case of looking up to see the Milky Way, the Aurora uh, and also what we've got the meteor shower coming up through um, the course of August as well. Find out the event That we've got available through August And in towards September And indeed for the rest of the year At kielderobservatory.org Book in advance Get your places booked now and we hope to see you at Kielder Observatory very soon. A good spread of events, quite a few kids' events uh, going on as well through the course of the school holidays, Uh, but also our regular events, including late-night discovery for the the real late birds. Those sessions begin at half-past midnight and go into the wee small hours. We've also got sessions uh, covering the topics of uh, astrophotography, the aurora, the jewels of the universe, the origins of the universe, and our moon. Just some of them. Find out all about those. KielderObservatory.org. And we hope to see you soon. In the meantime, happy stargazing.